Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. the vineyard. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. And we want to give a warm welcome to our Sullivan family. Last weekend, we had the opportunity to go down to Sullivan as they celebrated their 10th anniversary. And it was so amazing to see so many of you and see the kingdom work that's been happening in your community. Yeah, it was awesome to be with you guys and see so many of you that I know. I grew up close to our, uh, the Sullivan area, obviously, so know many of you already. But for those that I haven't had a chance to meet, uh, you know, I often get asked the question because my brother is down there. He said, are you Chad's brother? Yes. I'm Chad's younger, and if it's not obvious, better-looking brother. So thanks, Chad. Now you know who I am. If you're joining us at Bloomington Normal or on Vineyard Live, again, thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. You know, it's a real joy to get to do this together today because Mike and I love partnering together in every area of our lives, in parenting, in pastoring, and now in preaching. And you know how much I love alliteration. So I feel like it's going to be a really good day. Right, babe? You really do love a little. She's not joking. It's you love it a lot, actually. There's going to be more in the message later, so of don't worry. Of course, there is. Because I wouldn't want to disappoint of you. There is. <laughs> well, we've been in this message series for the last month called "Family of the Future," where we've been unpacking how we can change the world with Jesus, and we've looked at, we've been discovering our divine assignment of revealing the Father to the world. But we learned that before we can reveal the Father to the world, we first have to know that we are sons and understand that our identity is in Him. That's the only way we're actually going to be able to reveal the Father to a very fatherless world. It's been a really powerful series, and if you happen to miss some of the messages, we just want to encourage you. You can always hop on our app or on our website and re-listen to those messages. Yeah, it's been so good. I just love how how God is like kind of revealing this picture of the family through each of the messages and what each person brought, the different facets that God Mm -hmm. has in this. Um, But before we move on, you know, this is the first time that we've actually gotten to like bring the weekend message together, right? This is fun. We got to commemorate the moment. So we got to take a selfie, right? Uh, You guys will be in the selfie, so get your hair right, okay? Once you're looking good in this. All right. Say, Say cheese, everybody. All right. I know you have to check it. I have to check it. Always do. I think it looks good. I look terrible. No, you do not. This is the problem with Easter candy while you're pregnant. This is not, you look, you're glowing. It looks good. That, that, that one guy in the back, like, then maybe not, but you look good. Do you want me to take it again? No, we don't have time. Okay, Keep going. fine. That's right. All right, well, you know what? We are joking around just a little bit about this, but did you know research shows You judge whether a group picture is good or not based on whether you look good in that picture. (laughs) It's true. How many of you have been in a group, like 10 people? Everybody else is looking pretty good. They're looking fly. You're just a little bit off, and you're like, I hate it. That is a terrible picture. I can't believe that, Do not post that. Yeah, don't post it. And definitely don't tag me, because I will untag myself. I think you've done that before, actually. (laughs) Guilty. But but this is, it's real, right? Right? We we live in this world, it's focused on individualism self, so it's really easy to just get focused on ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? So we, we look at this place of where our personal advancements and achievements become the measure of our success. And you could kind of say that we, we live in a selfie society. It's so easy to get sucked into this me world. It really is. But that's not the kingdom way, because God is building families, and we want to build a family of the future that instead of being focused on me, is focused on we. 
right? We want to be united, a family that's united on mission, that, as Julie said, is revealing the Father to the world. Mm -hmm. This is going to be our we story. Would you just bow your heads as we pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come? Father, we thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here to teach and to guide. I pray that you would just bring your understanding and your revelation today. Uh, we're so excited for what you have for us. Let's partner with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, about a month ago, Julie uh, uh, gave a message. We had our More Love, More Power conference here, and Julie uh, gave one of the messages in that. And as she was preparing that message, she felt like God had given her this word uh, that she was to share with everybody who attended. And as we prayed about this message, we felt like, you know, I think that word is actually, it's for this house. It's for this family, too. It's really important uh, that we share it. And so the word that she shared was this. She said, a house divided cannot stand. A house united will expand. See, that's our heart. Our mm -hmm. heart is for the body to be unified in all of its diverse makeup, in all of the generational makeup that, that's here. And, and, and we do have a, a diverse generational makeup that's part of this church right now. In fact, for the first time in history, we have five generations that are represented in our church that are actively participating right now. And, and that could be a, a recipe for disaster or it can be an incredible opportunity, but we believe it is such a great opportunity. Yeah. It's an opportunity to be united together with every generation getting to play this really significant role. But, but what's the problem? Division is just so normal, right? Not unity. And, and at the root of that disunity is this obsession, like I said, with ourselves. Yeah. We're so easily consumed with this me story. And again, it's, it's that idea that we're just a selfie society. What do I look like in the picture? That's what's most important. We, we live in, the, in, in a world that just worships independence and individualism. And, and the reality is we all carry a deep desire for significance, right? We want our lives to matter. And you know what? God wants your lives to matter too. But the problem is we get it all twisted up and the journey becomes this individual journey in that process because we're worried about where we're at. We want to be recognized how, for how we're gifted and for, for what we do with that gifting. And so we ask the question, what am I going to do with my life? That's going to make it matter. Yeah, I think this is just the way that culture kind of sets us up. Yeah. It, from a very early age, we're just like forced into this place where mm -hmm. it's like, be worried about yourself, think about yourself, care about yourself, build the life for yourself, instead of taking a step back and seeing that you're actually part of a bigger picture. Yeah, and this totally happened to me. In my, in my previous career, I was in, in business and tech for about 13 years before I stepped into this role. And, and I saw those same decisions being happened in my career. It was, what's, what is this a good move for me? Mm -hmm. Was this, uh, would I learn something new that made me more valuable to the next employer? Would I be able to make more money in this? And again, the questions were just about, it was me, it was me, it was me. And it's just really easy to impose that world's view of success mm -hmm. on top of or instead of the kingdom's view of what success can look like. We can easily just believe this lie that we're going to live our best Christian life by substituting the pursuit of God's mission with the pursuit of happiness. The Bible does not say the pursuit of happiness. It's pursuit of the story that God is writing in mm -hmm. our life. So we begin to think of this mission as just purely this individual thing. And then our selfish thinking, now it's guiding us. Yeah. Now it's taking us somewhere. But God's purpose for your life is so much better than, be, bigger and better than just living a good life. You're called... That's good. I think you should say that again. You think I should say it again? I do. That's good. That must have been good. God's purpose for your life is more than just you having a good life. 
It really is. See, God's been writing this, this, this story that we get to participate in, this mission that we get to participate in since, since the beginning, right? Since the Garden of Eden. And we get to be a part of that story that he's been writing. Mm-hmm. And it's actually better because it's bigger than you. That's what makes it better. Yeah. But we're still so consumed with writing that me story instead of that we story. Yeah, and I think this, this focus on individualism, this focus on the um, individual, it is just honestly a ripe breeding ground for disunity. You know, we, like we said, we have this incredible opportunity to build this multi-generational family of believers who is sent to change the world. And yet what we see is that, you know, disunity and division, they're kind of lurking around the corner and they're trapping us and tri- tricking us into thinking they're no big deal. We, we, we say to ourselves, well, why does everybody have to be the same? Well, who said that unity means sameness? Good. It doesn't mean sameness. In fact, throughout history, let's just take one quick look at those history books, and we see that destruction and division are just all over the place. And they're the cause of family division, of wars, of injustice. Division and disunity is incredibly powerful. And it can really trap us. It was Abraham Lincoln in 1858 who famously borrowed Jesus' words in in his speech, A House Divided, from Mark 3.25 when he said, And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And what Abraham Lincoln was doing was he was trying to, to differentiate himself from the incumbent that he was running against. It was in the Illinois Senate, and he was trying to publicly prophesy that our nation could not remain divided on the issue of slavery, that division in and of itself brings weakness to a family, brings weakness to a nation. He understood the the power of unity to bring strength and wholeness. And of course, Abraham Lincoln was right. The country could not stay divided, and he would go on to be the president to abolish slavery and begin the hard work of of reuniting a very divided country. Let's not fool ourselves. This whole issue of division and disunity is really a big problem. Because you see, the world, it says, independence, individualism, that's the way forward. Care about yourself. Who cares about everybody else? Is it good for you? But the way of the kingdom is interdependence. And that's a word we don't use very often, but the word interdependence simply means being mutually dependent or reliant on one another. Where we don't see our differences as a barrier, rather we see them as a gift from God so that we can actually operate better. And in fact, I believe that there's there's a call today to take off some of the pressure we put on ourselves. That we feel this, that we have to be all things and do all things to have success. And that's just not true. God is inviting us to be part of his family. And I actually love there, if you go back to Mark 3.25 and you look at the word for house, it's the Greek word okia, okia, I think I said that right. Not like you're going to check. <laughs> and um, that Greek word actually doesn't just mean the physical house, but it means the family members within the house. So I think we could say that a family divided mm-hmm. cannot stand, Good. but a family united will expand. God is building a family where everybody gets to play, where every role mm-hmm. is valued, where every generation mm-hmm. is valued. And we need to fight against this lie that we're just individuals trying to live a good life and hopefully get to heaven someday. You are part of a family on a journey with Jesus sent to change the world. This is a we story, not a me story. 
Well, I think it might be helpful before we go any further to define unity. Because I think so often what happens is we do think that maybe unity means sameness or thinking alike and things like that. And actually what unity means is this. Oneness of purpose. Unity means oneness of purpose. It's a state of harmony, a state of wholeness as we interact and relate to one another in such a way that brings us closer together. And so what this means is actually we can be very, very different from one another and yet live and work in unity and harmony with one another. And so I find myself asking, okay, if unity means oneness of purpose, then what's our purpose? As a family, what's our purpose? And this is what I believe our purpose is, to be the body of Christ. That's so good. And you know, that body of Christ phrase that, that we hear, uh, it's actually commonly used all throughout the New Testament and it's describing the church. And I'm actually gonna read from 1 Corinthians 12 and, and you can turn there uh, in preparation for that or you can read it from the screens. But So this passage that, that Paul is writing, he's writing to this church in Corinth and there's all these, these diverse group of people who are there with all these different giftings and personalities and, and different generations that are all represented there. And they're all struggling to kind of figure out, well, how do my gifts fit in and play here? And who gets, who gets to take control? And what does that look like uh, in that? No, there's nothing new under the sun. Does that yeah. sound familiar, right? We, we all have these different gifts that we're all trying to figure out how do, how do they fit? You know, where do they go? Is it important? Is mine important? Do I fit? And, and Paul has so much that he, uh, such a good analogy that he uses here about the body of Christ. And, and I'm gonna read now from picking up in verse 12. It says, you can easily see enough, see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs and organs and cells, but no matter matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. And it's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. That's so good. This idea that our our church or our family is like our own body, right? There's lots of different parts of our body that make it up, that make it all work together uh, in those pieces. But we we can't all be the same thing, right? Otherwise, it doesn't really work. We can't all be like a nostril, right? Such a glamorous part of the body. It's a really glamorous part. It brings life-giving air in to the rest of the body. True. It is really, how annoyed are you when your nose is stuffed up, right? Or maybe it's just one and you're whistling and your wife is yelling at you because she hates that. I have sensitive ears. I can hear a lot of things. That's an understatement, an understatement (laughs) all day. Maybe, maybe that's a message series. I think, you know, uh, when you blow your nose, is that like deliverance? Yes. So I think somebody, I think Claire Putty's probably going to speak on that or something. <laughs> I'm sure they can figure it out. But the reality is when you say yes and you join the family, you say goodbye to your partial and piecemeal lives. Right? Did you catch that in there? You no longer live independently or call your own shots. Instead, you enter into this large and integrated or interdependent mm-hmm. life where your father has the final say. We get to say goodbye to the independence and, and say yes to interdependence. Yeah, I think so often we talk with people who they tell us, like, our life doesn't feel full. It, it, I'm not satisfied. I, I, I want more. And oftentimes I think it's because in these situations we're so focused on ourselves. Yeah. We're so focused on the me story that we're writing that we're missing out on this incredible opportunity. If your life feels partial, if it feels piecemeal, I think that often we are writing more of a me story than t- taking a step back and saying, we are part of this bigger family yeah. 
And it's so much fun to celebrate and, and do life with family. And, and it's so true. And part of living in that unity means that we actually have to embrace that uniqueness. And, and we have to understand how our lives and how our gifts actually bless the body, right? Mm -hmm. You understand that your gifts aren't just for yourself. They're actually for the family. Yeah. They're there for a reason. And if, if you actually keep reading down in this passage, Paul talks about uh, how the diverse parts of the body have to work together and have to be together and actually order to work, right? Like the hand can't just say to the arm, like, I'm done with you and still be a functioning and good arm or <laughs> good hand, right? That would be kind of weird. It'd just be that kind of weird horror movie with the hand like crawling across the floor. It gets weird. I think actually, have some of you run into one of those hands and, <laughs> and you're like, you probably don't want to hang out with them real long, right? They're, they're just kind of odd. They feel disconnected yeah. and something's not right. It's this disconnection from the body because we have to understand it's together we're the body. The church is not me, it's we. Yeah. So that just leads me to think like, okay, so if we know we are to be the body of Christ, then how do we steward this? How do we actually live as the body of Christ? And what are some practices um, and some ways that we can actually encourage unity right. amongst one another? Because I think that God actually wants it to be very concrete for us. He wants it to be practical. And so we're actually going to turn to Romans 12 here, and we're going we're gonna to read what Paul has to say, because he has some great advice for how we should live out this practice of unity. And so I'm going to yeah. pick up in verse 3 here. It says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. And I felt like the Father told me that today I actually come before you with a gift of privilege and authority to be actually able to speak this word out over us. This is what he says. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So there we just see like the very information that was being kind of shared in that 1 Corinthians 12 passage. It's reinforced through this passage. We are all part of the body. We've each been given these different roles. And, and he's giving us a hint here that the very first thing that we need to do is make sure that we're viewing ourselves correctly so that we can view others correctly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep reading. Down in verse 6, it says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Skipping down to verse 10 here. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Such a rich and powerful passage, but I think we should unpack it a bit because there's some yeah. themes that are coming out. Yeah, I really want to unpack this just a little bit. And to unpack it, you have to understand, I, I, I used to be in a former life, uh, I used to play basketball. I used to think of myself as a basketball player. And he was kind of, actually a really good basketball player. I was in my head. I was I was a much better than maybe what actually <laughs> played out. But but I enjoyed it. I had a lot of time, and actually had the chance to go back and coach for a couple of seasons uh, at my former high school. And and I kind of feel like I, I'm sitting here as I was as God was, as was speaking about this. I kind of feel like I'm sitting here as this coach who wants to challenge and encourage and kind of lead our team or our family uh, into this place of understanding yeah. unity. And and thinking through that lens, kind of like thinking about what are the couple attributes that we need to have as the church family. 
And, and as a coach and a player, there was a couple that were really always important to the team. And the first one was this understanding of humility, right? Yeah. And this passage really unpacks this, just the power of humility in our lives. But I want to make sure we understand what humility is, right? Because false humility is a problem. Believing the wrong things about ourselves is not okay either. But humility does not mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking less about yourself. And we actually have to humble ourselves mm -hmm. to understand who God says we are. The God-given identity that we've been given, we need to lay down our opinion about who we are and pick up who God says that we are. Yeah. That's what it means to pick up that God-given identity, right? And so when we can embrace that discipline of humility, it actually helps us to understand who we are, and at the same time, it helps us recognize and appreciate who God has made others to be, who God says that they are in that same place. We have to remind ourselves that we're part of this bigger picture. We have to get that perspective that we can't do it all. We're, we're just a part of it. And, and that helps keep that, that life in perspective. And, and the humility is this tool that helps us keep us from this trap of self-focus. Yep, I, I think humility, what it does is it comes against that spirit of pride right. that is connected to individualism and independence. Because when we put on the lens of humility and we receive who God says we are, but we also receive who our brothers and sisters in the family are, what we're going to see is that unity is going to begin to grow and flourish and be cultivated. Because it's as we put on these, this lens of, I don't see myself too highly. No, I recognize I'm just one small part of this. That there is so much freedom. And we've really seen this on our team as we've right. developed with our staff. Um, this whole practice of humility, you know, we have some amazingly talented people on our team. And it would be really easy for any one of us to feel like, I've got to do it all. I've got to make sure, you know, that my story is really good. I've got to, you know, take care of me, me, me. But what we've realized is as we've, we, we've really, like, you know, taught and then cultivated and, and done this, the, the hard work, right. God is writing this incredible story of we, where we have men and women who see one another made in the image of God, of much worth and value. We see that they are an important part of the right. team, a part of the body. And what we're just seeing is just incredible fruit of unity. And what we've noticed is that humility is so connected to honor. That last verse, we take it really seriously where we say we want to love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So if you're struggling with humility, I think honor is actually one of the ways that it can flow more freely in your life. Yeah, and, and this kind of takes us into this, this second step, uh, the second attribute that I think is so important because it begins to now say, how do we actually engage? We know who we are. We understand that we have gifts, and how do we engage with it? And the second one I want to call hustle. Right? That's always a good one in team sports, right? That you want to you find somebody with, with some hustle in and it, And right? the alliteration. And the alliteration is so good. It's humility, hustle. We'll bring the Holy Spirit in to teach us all that. We yeah. got three of these going on. She's on cloud nine. I am. I, that means that's good for me. So yeah. we're all good. So, you know, hustle, it means really it's giving 100%. It's right. It's, it's some of the times it's not the most talented people. It's the ones who give 100% all the time. Yeah. Every time they step out there, they're giving 100% for the team. And, and in God's grace, he's actually given each of us a unique gift in a way that we get to be part of that story. So Paul's encouragement to us is this, right? It's whatever gift you've been given, go after it. Steward it well. Leave the world around you better because you're in it. That's hustle. Let's go after it. So if you have the gift of prophecy, we want to hear from you because we want to hear mm -hmm. what God is saying. If you have the gift of serving, then we want you to serve well and, feel, and honor those you're serving. And if you're a leader, then steward well those who've been given the responsibility to lead. Yeah. 
because we actually need the, God, the gifts that God has given you. We don't want you to leave any of those gifts on the sidelines. Partner with the Father to use and see those gifts in your life and how you engage with them, and you'll find yourself in a much richer, in, in a much better place as you see the bigger story of the kingdom of God. Yeah, a house divided cannot stand, but a house united will expand. And we believe that God has placed us here. Mm -hmm. He sent us here. He's assigned us to live here, which sometimes Mike and I joke like, Lord, you could have assigned us to live anywhere. I mean, we're born and raised here, so maybe it was just a lot in life, but it could have been the beach. It could have been the beach. Could have been the mountains. And And Putty did say, cashing in the mustard seed of faith to move some mountains, and I am waiting for that miracle to happen. Putty, that's on you. So that's on you, Putty. Get on it, buddy. But we would love right. some mountains uh, <laughs> right. to move here. But we want to build a house that's built upon unity, and we're going to get to unity by being humble, by hustling, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, you know, and these, are, these are some lessons that, that I know I have learned and have continued to grow in, in, in my own story, right? Because there's been some seasons in my life where I've walked into this place of where it's been more about a self-focus than it has been about this we story. Yeah. And, and I remember there was a time when I was uh, about 26, I was stepping into this brand new management role, and I had all of this responsibility, and, and I was actually overseeing these people who were like way older than me, and I was like, man, they're, they're gonna find out I'm a fraud. Like, when is it gonna happen? I'm just gonna be discovered as a complete fraud. What if they find out I don't have all the answers? Because that was my thought. That was my expectation was that I have to, I have to know it all. And so th- there's this, this fear starts to kind of come in like, oh man, this fear of failure starts to overtake and, I, and it starts to put this focus on myself. And I often think that's how the enemy works. It really is. I think he uses fear to keep us trapped in the me story. And today we actually want to break fear off. That you actually, as you focus less on yourself, actually more is going to happen in your own story. But we get like trapped into thinking Absolutely. that if we don't worry about ourselves, if we don't take care of me, then who's going to do it? That's right. And so yeah. that's what happened to me. I get, I get focused in this place of what am I going to do and, and, and how am I going to get through this? Like how am I going to figure this out if I'm, gonna, if I'm in danger of failing? And so I, I would sometimes even sacrificing my team to, to go after the things I thought I needed for myself. But that wasn't okay. And, and, and so thankful for the Holy Spirit, that he's a faithful teacher. That, that be, he began to remind me again of who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, what have I brought in this? He reminded me of those attributes of humility and hustle that were so important to bring teamwork, to bring unity into that. And I had to, to grow, to truly grow as a leader. I, I had to stop and say, I'm gonna humble myself right now and understand that I'm just one part of a bigger team. Yeah. You're right? That God has... That God has put me here with a purpose, and if he's done that, I better find out what that purpose is. What am I going to be able to bring to that place in my story? And so I, I came into that place of understanding that if I'm working with this great team, mm-hmm. there's all these people who are more gifted than me. Hey, that's actually a great opportunity for me. These people are way more gifted than I am. That's a huge opportunity for me to grow. And now I can begin to set aside these chains of fear that I'd put on myself and that was taking me on the sidelines, right? I had to stop worrying about who was better because that's not the, the question that the kingdom asks. Yeah. God asks the question, not who is better, but did you leave it better? Yeah. Right? Did you leave it better? That's the question he challenged me with. And so that's where I had to step forward. And that was the places where I had embraced it. I had embraced 
who I was. I embraced it. Now I could see what could I get to bring to the table. What did I have that, that could do it? Mm-hmm. I, I understood I have this gift. I learned I have this gift of mediation that I can help people walk through conflict in a healthy way. And How no, does that help? He's not available to walk through your mediation right now. Thank you. Good point. But Good he point. does have a real gift. Sometimes we jokingly call him the referee That's true. because he has a gift of wisdom to sit with people and to hear both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I had to I had embrace that that was part of what I can bring, even if it was uncomfortable at times. I had this gift of leadership that I can that I can walk mm-hmm. out and live out to, to help people walk through things with wisdom, with rational thought, and take them towards God's best. See, God was preparing me for this, this understanding of how to disciple or how to father right here in this church community. Yeah. And you know what? He challenged me to be a champion for others first. Yeah. Right? To look at uniting community before competition. And I love the opportunity to be here on the stage, to be able to share with you today and share my heart. But God was really clear when I took this position. He said, ambition to be here is never to be part of your mindset. That will be unhealthy. First and foremost, you champion others. You put them in the places that I have for them. And you make sure that the body and the story that's being written is a we story, not a you story. That was the challenge he had for me. Yeah, I just want to return. Such a powerful story. Yeah. I know. I'm so proud. Thanks. Can you believe this is this guy's first time preaching? He's actually never preached before. Yeah, that's true. I know. You're doing great. Now, here's the reality. When we talk about giftings, I was never reminded how, how gifted my wife is in communication. <laughs> it is to walk through writing a message with your wife. And she, you truly do have a gift in this, babe. Thanks, babe. I love what, what God's doing to you. And it's a gift for the family, and yeah. I love that you were willing to share it with me. You're amazing. Yeah. I want to read one more verse to us, because I think it just so beautifully sums up what we've been trying to say here today, and it's 1 Corinthians 12, just verse 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Listen up. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. You see, this is what God's doing. He's building a family united on mission to change the world with himself. He wants to see more people in more places, more communities, more schools, more cities, our state, our country come to know him as father. Come on. And we are invited into this journey. But it's going to take a united body, a generationally united body, a gift united body, a gender united body. You see, no one is excluded. Everyone is needed. And so today, we stand before you with an opportunity to say yes to the family, to say yes to unity, to say yes to humility, to hustle, and to our helper, the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray and invite him to do that. And so, Holy Spirit, we just thank you today for the mission that you've sent us on to reveal the Father to a broken world. And Father, we just accept that mission to be a family united on mission with you to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to do something just a little bit different today before we actually dismiss uh, our, each of our campuses to go, to go live at their site. We're actually going to do a little bit of ministry up front. Yeah. Uh, and we want to talk a little bit more about this idea of this intergenerational unity that God is building. And we understand that the church, the Big C Church, ha- has made some missteps when it's come to this and this interaction within the generations. You know, sometimes it's the, it's the you know, pushing out of the older generation in order to be like, oh, the, new gener- the young generation, we have to please them and make sure that they're, they're ready. That's the future, right? Or maybe it's the flip side when the church doesn't actually uh, kind of keep up with where culture is changing, and so the older generation holds on so tightly that the younger generation no longer feels like it has a voice or a place in the family. 
But neither one of those is right. Neither one of those is where God is wanting us to go. And we believe that just as it says in Malachi 4, that God is turning the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers, that God wants to do that today. See, we have this, this amazing opportunity to see this intergenerational mm-hmm. move of God. It's, it's right there, and it's, it's been on the horizon. He's been preparing us for it. And, you know, as I said earlier, there's actually five generations that are interacting with, within the body. And that's unique in our place in history because people are living longer and all of that. And so there's, there's, there's also this, this place of, 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 of division that can come into that, mm-hmm. right, that can happen in that. But... If we can choose to set aside our differences, I truly believe that the church will be set up to be a a transformational to our culture in a way that it never has before, if we can see that and do it well. Yeah, and actually there's kind of a lot of debate on how the generations are broken up, and we're going to make some generalizations, but our heart is actually to bring unity today, and so we're actually going to let Adam and Corey Waters and Chad and Carolyn Yoder go live at their their campuses. See you guys. (laughs) Excuse me. Some water? <laughs> I'm going to have to have some water. No, that's all right. So we're going uh, <laughs> to, as they go live uh, there, we're actually going to talk a little bit about the generations. We're actually going to describe the different generations uh, as we walk that out a little bit. And so uh, she's going to describe them just a little bit, and then we're actually going to ask you to stand. And again, this is going to be just part of our like ministry up front as we're going to pray a little bit and pray out what we feel like God is praying over each of those generations. So. Wow, I'm rarely speechless. Well, sometimes when you're standing in my presence, I can understand. <laughs> It happened once, guys, and you were all here to witness it, so. (laughs) So this is actually going to be interactive. So we're going to go work through the five generations, and I'm going to describe them a little bit, and then Mike's going to pray over you, and we're going to ask you to stand up eventually. But the the very first um, generation we're going to talk about is the traditionalist generation. These were men and women who were born before 1945. And your generation, it was shaped by the Great Depression, It was shaped by the move from the farm into the city, and it was shaped by World War II. And so these major life events, they totally changed the way that you were, you you thought about the world. You understood that you needed to live on less for the greater good of people around you. You have a strong sense of cooperation and community. You are a loyal generation. You are a generous generation. In fact, you're the most generous benefactor that the church has ever known. And there's a lot that actually your generation has to teach our generation and and the other generations about these things that we believe that God has deposited inside your generation. Now, there have been some hard things. And one of, some of the research has shown that as your generation got up into retirement and chose to retire, there's been some dissatisfaction. There's been some disillusionment. And we believe that today there's an invitation because in the kingdom there is no retirement. There's, a, there's an invitation today to just be recommissioned to be part of the family, to see that God has a vision and a plan for your life all the days of your life. And so if yeah. you were born before 1945, would you please stand and we're going to honor and pray for you. All right. Father, we we just love the wisdom and the experience and and just the life that has been lived by so many of these that are represented in this generation, God. We thank you, God, that they can show us what true grit looks like, what Mm -hmm. it looks like to push through in difficult conversations, in difficult situations, in difficult places in our nation. God, let them help us walk through with loyalty Let there not be judgment of what the next generations have done. Instead, let them bring wisdom and discernment. 
instead of judgment. Mm-hmm. And I thank you that what you've poured into them is so valuable for our church today. Let it continue to be poured through them as you honor them and bring favor in everything that they touch. Bless this generation in Jesus' name. Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Okay, the next generation is baby boomers, and this is if you were born from 1946 to 1964. And let me tell you, I just loved researching this generation because I was raised by baby boomers. <laughs> so it was just very, very insightful. It really you know, was. they were shaped by some serious historical events: the Vietnam War and civil rights. JFK's assass- assassina- assass- assassination, oh my word. Oh assassination. Gosh. Oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying. So they were shaped by these, the, by these events, and um, this was really the first me generation. Now, millennials have been, you know, told that, that we are the that me is generation, ironic, isn't it? but they are actually not the first me generation. That's it true. was their parents, wow. but here's why. In the, in the traditionalist, it was all about the community. It was all about, hey, we got to sacrifice for everybody else's good. But when baby boomers came along, overseas was, you know, destroyed. And so America had this economic boom. And they were raised in a place where you didn't have to really think about the community as much. You could focus more on yourself. And so the, the, the focus went from community to individual. And there was actually some good there. There, there was some health there where people began to realize, I, am, I have value. As an individual, I, my life matters. And so what's amazing about baby boomers is this incredible optimism and drive that they have. If you are a baby boomer, you are a risk taker, you are a builder, and you are an architect. You can see into the future. And you were told the future is yours. Your parents had really high hopes for you. They had been ra- they were you know, raised in a, in a time that was very difficult. And the baby boom was really a time of a lot of money and a lot of advancement. And so this, this created different things. You yeah. know, you were also the rock and roll generation, or as my dad says, the songs of my generation. Usually with disparagement towards the next songs That's that right. followed after, like our songs. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah, you're not big fans of authority. Um, and you move from survival to significance. And so if you are in the baby boomer generation, would you stand up? We'd love to honor and pray for you. Yeah. Yes. I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for what this generation has brought. And Father, I thank you for what they were able to build, for what they were able to go after in, in hard times, in good times, God, that, that you let them build so much. You let them see so much of what needed to be done and that they went after it, that they have such a drive to teach our body, God, to push, to learn how to work hard. But God, let there not be arrogance. Let it not be pride that trips up. Instead, let there be humility in that. Let them understand what it means to, to, to bring something and to give it away as mothers and fathers yes, of the next generations, God. And I, and I just feel clearly that God's calling this generation to understand how to help us learn mothering and fathering yes, that's Jesus. missing right now. And Lord, let them pour that in as you pour out your Father's heart into them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, amen. Awesome. Okay, Gen X, or Generation X, one of the most misunderstood generations. 
And this is from 1965 into 1980. And your lives were shaped by many different things. They were shaped by a re recession that happened after that baby boom where there was a lot of economic yeah. success, then a recession hit. You were shaped by political scandal. There was a lot of political scandal as you were being raised. And then you were shaped by divorce. This was one of the first generations that had just really been wrecked by divorce uh, and broken families. Many of you were latchkey kids. And all of this began to shape and kind of form who you are. You know, what's so interesting about the Gen X um, generation is that they took the broken family and what it did in them is it gave them a deep sense and need for community. And so what happened was Gen Xers would make community wherever they went with their friends, with their colleagues, in their workplaces, and they created what we like to call family, when friends and family become one. And actually, the most famous sitcom of all time, not based on me, but based on the statistics, is Friends. And what was the story of Friends about? Gen Xers, who weren't all related, and yet they created a family. And so I believe that Gen Xers, you have this gift, you have this call that the body of Christ needs to create family where there is no family, to create wholeness where there has been brokenness. But there's been a lie against your generation that you're cynical, that you're negative, that you're pessimistic. And some of this has kind of kept you from engaging with culture, where the traditionalists were loyalists, Loyalty has been a struggle sometimes for your generation, but we believe that there is good news because you are a visual generation. You were raised on television. And we believe that what this means is actually that there are prophets in the house in mm -hmm. Gen X yep. where you can see the future. And so if you were raised, if you were born in that time frame, would you stand up? We'd love to pray for you and honor you. 1965 to 1980. Yes. I, I just made it in as the tail end of this generation, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray hard for us because uh, we Are you going to tell them what Gen X stands for? Extremely amazing. It's just shortened. It was too long. It was too long to say it out, so that's, that's what we get. That's, that's what that X is stand for. Other generations just don't want to have to say it. It's, that's really the problem. We can say it. So, Father, I thank you, God. I thank you that what you're pouring into this, this is a group of gatherers, a group who can gather and build community, God, uh, where instead the enemy has brought brokenness. And that, that lie of cynicism, God, I feel like the enemy, or that, that the Father so wants to break that lie off and say, no, I'm putting my heart on you so you can see past the lies of the enemy. So you can see past the places mm -hmm. where the enemy is trying to distract. You have an ability to see into what, what God has, that prophetic voice that lives over your generation, God. Let us be a generation that doesn't push community away, but instead continues to build and gather and be one who honors well those around us, God. Let us not believe any of the lies that the enemy tries to put over us. Instead, believe who we are based on who God says that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, the next generation is my generation, millennials, mm. my people. Special. The special flower <laughs> People were born here. from 1980 <laughs> until actually they're saying 1996 now. And the reason they're saying 1996 is because the most foundational event that you must remember in order to be a millennial is 9-11. And at six years old, they believed that you could understand and remember that event. And so we were shaped. We were shaped by 9-11. We were shaped by Columbine. We were shaped by parents who loved us and nurtured us and asked for our opinions. Isn't that so great how many opinions we have? It's a, is this a generational thing? 
it is. That explains a true lot. True story. Actually. I found out. Like I, a year, I thought it was just okay. No, I no. found out like a year ago. I was opinionated, <laughs> and it was really news to me. I just have to say. And she had a lot of opinions about her being opinionated. So. <laughs> We were raised in the self-esteem movement, right, where we were told that we were special, but you know what is just so tragic to me? That the, that the suicide rate among the millennial generation is skyrocketing. And so, you know, this, this false message of, of self-esteem, it's not the message our generation needs to hear. They need to hear the identity message, that we have been killed and we have been made new into who we were always created to be. And I think Come there's on. real opportunity. But listen, there's been a lot of lies that have been spoken over us. We, you know, we're optimistic by nature because we were raised, you know, it, by these baby boomer parents who tend to be more optimistic. And so we, we're optimistic. And what I love about millennials is this. We are adopters, adapters, and improvers. Now, who do you think we love to fight with the most? Ooh, the boomers. The boomer architects who built everything in the first place. And then the millennials come in and say, I can make it better. <laughs> But there's actually, there's something so beautiful about what God's doing between boomers and Gen X and millennials right now, who are the kind of the main working force right now. I actually believe there's so much unity that God wants to bring where we could actually see, oh, that's the part of the body the millennials bring. Oh, that's the part of the body that the, the baby boomers bring. Oh, that's the part of the body where we don't like compare and compete, but instead we just champion. We, we don't feel right. confused Amen. about why we are the way we are. We just say, God, you chose the date I was going to be born. You chose the generation. And so that's what we receive. And so there's been some lies, though, that we are, you know, lazy and don't want to work and we're entitled and we want tons of flexibility. And I will admit that flexibility one is true. Bad. But I promise you I'm going to work hard because <laughs> I was raised by a boomer who instilled work ethic into me. Okay? And so stand right now if you're millennial. Yeah. Come on. Yes. I believe there is just, that the, the Father is saying there is so much that you guys have to bring to this idea of unity. You already naturally carry this idea that we want to leave it better, yeah. right? That's the Father's heart in you. To leave it better wherever you go. To be a part of that. And, and, the, and the reality is because we want to change things, because we want to take what was and adapt it and move it and change it and make it better, we can really step on some toes along the way of some previous generations. So God wants to teach us about honor. Mm -hmm. He wants to teach us about humility. And what does it look like to do those things, to make those changes, but honor those who came before and honor those who will be coming after. All those things are part of who you are and you have a, a, an integral part in building unity in our body. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless them, that you would just pour out that ability to honor well, to humble themselves when they need to, God, to, to not compete with one another, but instead to make one another better because of what they each bring. We thank you for this generation, God, and what they bring to our family. In Jesus', Jesus name, amen. Amen. Okay, last but not least, Generation Z or iGen, and this is if you were born from 1996 about until 2010, and this generation is brilliant. Congratulations. You are smarter than your parents, and if you're next to your parents, just give them a little jab. <laughs> our kids, we have two kids in this generation, they're and Kingdom Kids, so whew, we're safe, yeah. so I don't know that yet. But you've never not known a time that you had electronics. And so electronics have shaped you, they've formed you, they've informed you. And what's happened is it's totally changed the way we, we relate to one another in social contexts. 
And so unfortunately what's happened is there's a real curse of isolation on this generation. Because although they're the most connected generation, they don't yet understand how to do face-to-face -face community. But there's real opportunity. You know, the, the, the statistics are showing that these young people no longer want to share their faith. But we actually believe that in um, the, the Gen Z generation, that there's actually a call to evangelism mm -hmm. for these men and women, these boys and girls at this age, to be able to speak the native language of this generation, to be able to know actually how to use technology to change the world with Jesus. And, and we believe that this generation, you know, stuff is still coming out about them, but we believe that they will be part of changing the world with Jesus. But in the past, you know, we put a lot of pressure on younger generations. And what this house is saying now is it is all gener generations united together. Yep. We don't want you to be afraid to have children. We don't want you to be afraid to get married. What we want you to know is that the church is going nowhere because the church is God's plan Amen. to change the world. You do not have to fear the future because we are here with you and so if you were born between 1996 and 2010 would you stand up yeah come so on awesome love it you know I, I feel like the father's saying just the fact that you're already here and engaging with the body is already moving against the lie that isolation is yeah. not who you are so thank you for saying yes. Yeah. And it takes courage to say yes, to go against the grain sometimes of, those, of our peers and those around us. You guys have courage to walk that out. And so, Father, I bless this generation, God. I bless this generation with, with an understanding of what it looks like to do community together. Yes. Even as they help lead and guide us in how we navigate the constant change that's happening around us and how we navigate where the world is going to. God, let us help them not to leave us behind as they move forward into that new world as well. Lord, let them be a part uh, of bringing unity with that humility and that honor and that understanding, God, that doing this life together, doing it as the body, mm -hmm. is so much better and so much bigger because we get to write such a bigger story. So bless this generation. Pour out your favor on them. We need them so much. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.